Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Life Unhindered Podcast. Uh, I'm your co-host, Gary Schroeder, along with my beautiful wife. Julie Schroeder. And, uh, you know, the first episode, we promised you, um, you know, three or four at least test episodes, and we were going to do those, uh, we thought we were going to do them in rapid succession. That did not happen for a variety of life events got in the way. We'll do a podcast on that uh, in the future, I hope. Um, that was actually a, a good reminder of some of the principles we think about and talk about with, um, you know, increasing quality of life during this this uh, journey towards early retirement, specifically as it relates to health. Had some some health issues over the last few weeks for me personally that kind of dampened my productivity um, and uh, really was kind of a wake-up call, but uh, stay tuned for, for the details of that. Um, in this episode, we wanted to talk about two different things. One is kind of a recap of some quarterly goals that we set out. Uh, if you're a subscriber of the YouTube channel, we did a video towards the end of 2017, kind of Julie and I, how we look back at the year and then how we look ahead at, uh, in this case, we just did Q1 or the first quarter of this year um, and how we set goals according to Google's framework, which is OKRs, which are objective key results. And we won't get into all the details of like what, what that is and why that is why we do it. If you want to check that out, you can check out that video. It's a long one, maybe 30, 40 minutes towards the end of 2017. But we haven't actually done a, a readout or a recap of how we did towards those goals, lessons learned, things like that. So we wanted to do that in this episode. So I've got the goals in front of me here that we set out at the beginning of uh, Q1 of this year. Um, before I do that, any thoughts on the overall quarter Kind of the goals we set, we can go one by one, but just in general, like overarching, like thoughts, feedback, what worked, what didn't. Yeah, I think having the goals overall was helpful. Just having a framework of knowing what we were working towards in that quarter. Um, I think my specific focus on those goals was not very uh, focused at all. Although looking back, I think we may have hit some kind of not focusing on them. I think we still may have hit a few of those goals, uh, but we definitely didn't hit them all. But I think having them definitely gives us a framework for going forward and to, to remind us on what we're looking to achieve in that quarter. Yeah, I was thinking this morning, actually, that one of our next podcasts will be around this topic of um, kind of our hour 10 rules or laws or whatever you want to call it about how to reach financial independence early. And I, I'm just calling out like that's not the rules. It's just our rules, kind of some lessons learned through the process. And I was thinking like, what exactly would, would those rules be? And the first one just kind of related to Julie's comment about, about you know, we keep the goals, like goals are good to have in general. Um, I think the first one would be something along the lines of be intentional about everything or be prepared to examine and re-examine everything. And so I think that's one of the reasons that the goals has, having these kind of goals has given us, even just going through the process of writing them down has caused us to, has helped us to consider and reconsider different aspects of our life and just be intentional about kind of where we're going. I agree. Cool. So the first one, again, this is going to be a recap. Uh, this bulk of this episode is going to be on a different topic. I think you guys will like. But the first one, the objective is we will become financially independent in five years. 
while increasing our quality of life along the way. And I'll just read out the three key results here. So that's that's the overarching objective. That's something that will be an objective for Julie and I for a long time. But then you have specific KRs, key results in a, in a specific time period. So three KRs, maintain a monthly budget for January, February, and March. Increase our net worth by 13.5% and qualify for the Southwest Companion Pass. So the third one we'll, we'll touch in the second half a lot of this podcast more in a dedicated way. But the reason that one's there on this objective is this last part, increasing our quality of life along the way. Um, I think some folks, when they get on, even learn about early retirement or financial independence, you can go into like penny pinching mode, and that's fine if quality of life along the way is not substantially suffering. And so for us, we wanted to travel, and we wanted to travel without you know breaking the budget and breaking the bank every single year. We're a family of four, so we'll get into that third one and how that enables us to do that. But any thoughts or comments, Jay, on um, the first one, maintain a, a budget for the first three months? Yes, I believe uh, we did actually do a fairly good job of that, although I can't say I'm very good at tracking those things. But the main part of the budget for me that was that I was struggling with maintaining was the food budget. And what enabled me to do that was I really did focus on actually writing out um, our meal plan for the week and only shopping once a week. That really um, allowed us to actually stay within um, our budget because the food was what was always putting us over. And then if we did have purchases outside the budget, we definitely have had a lot more conversations about what we're purchasing and why we're purchasing it and being a lot more focused in what we're purchasing. Um, And so I do think that we actually made progress in that, although now I need to reconsider the food budget since our whole diet has changed in the last month or so. And we'll, we'll get into that probably in another episode, but it was a good exercise that, that I think did happen at that first quarter. So you mentioned a little bit, but if you could recap or just like, what is for that line item, what is one lesson that, you know, one area we didn't do so well on in Q1 that we can improve on in the future? It's just tracking it. I really didn't track it as well. And without tracking it, you really don't know where you are. I kind of always had like a loose idea where we were. And one month I did. I actually did track everything I spent on food and realized I was within the budget. And then after that, I didn't track it because I figured, well, I'm just going to do what I did the previous month. But that probably wasn't as wise. It's better to track it because it keeps your mind focused on, okay, I know exactly how much I have left in the month to spend on food to stay within the budget. Roger that. I can comment a little bit about the second KR here, maybe some lessons learned. So the KR was increase our net worth by 13.5%. So um, if we were to actually grade ourselves on each of these KRs, the first one around the budget, we'd probably be 70%, 60%. You can do the math on this one for the second KR. We didn't do 13.5%. We did 9%. um, And what I... I think the takeaway for me on this one is like that actually wasn't a good key result. Um, the reason it wasn't a good key result is a lot of increasing your overall net worth. If you have like we do a portfolio that is in publicly traded markets, um, if you followed what's going on in Q1, um, basically for 2018, um, our portfolio or a lot of portfolios are flat to slightly negative for this year. 
Um, but the reason I say it's not a good KR is a lot of that um, is not really up to us. Like we, 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 it's outside of our control. Obviously, it's something you have to manage and make sure your risk profiles are set up correctly and all those kind of things. We can get into our strategy some other time. But a lot of it is outside of our control. And so the um, the high level net worth increase is it's not a good KR because you, you want to have a care that's pretty much 100% of your control. Uh, that being said, we still hit 9%, which was really good. But I think a, a lesson learned or, you know, to refine a goal for us instead of having net worth goals, although you kind of have to keep an eye on it, is basically like dollars saved or percentage of total income saved. And so that's another area that we were really good on in 2017, tracking exactly how much we were saving every single month. And I mean, once we decided to hit on this journey, it was kind of like a bullseye and nothing we had blinders on. Sort of slipped a little bit, I think, in the first quarter. We can get back to that really easily because like all the systems are in place. But basically, we're, we're around consistently um, probably 48 to 55% of our monthly income is saved. Um, and so I think that is a better KR going forward just to say we're going to save 58% or if we want to maintain 55% or 60% because that's entirely within our control within kind of relates to the budget example or the line item Julie just mentioned. Cool. We're going to go quickly here. The next one was qualify for the Southwest Companion Pass. We will save that one for the last part of this podcast we can tell that you did yeah we 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 hit we hit that one we'll talk a little bit about what that is if you're not familiar with it and why we went for it second objective quickly cultivate a simple yet active lifestyle uh 4krs gary only in office two days a week um that's not official but pretty close to it so far so i'm going to give us like 90 percent 300 meter shuttle run in 65 to 75 seconds um i think that's a just a fail. I mean, like I don't know. I don't we know what it. we did. It a we few did times. a couple shuttle runs, and yeah. I think our times were like um, around the low seventies, something like that. So we're we're close, but we didn't actually train for it. The next one, three mile time run, twenty one to twenty four minutes. We didn't run more than a mile the entire time, so that was a fail. Gary reaches one hundred and eighty pounds, down from two hundred and four pounds now. Um, most of my weight loss has been was outside of Q1, so it, technically this was a fail, but went from 204 to right now I'm around 185, um, so making really solid progress there, but technically outside of the quarter, but who's counting? Um, the last one was around our some family goals for our kids, around um, the objective is making learning, exploring, and experimenting part of our normal family life. We had some objectives for our kids. Won't get into those now. And then for this channel that we will have 25 subscribers. Um, I don't remember what it was at the very end of Q1. It's around 97 now. So we're like 4X this KR. Again, for most people, still such a small number. But for us, you know, making making progress. Any other comments like on these OKRs? I mean, we're just blazing through those. So again, if you want the background, I think like we've done goals, various forms and like almost eight years we've been married i think these are the the best way to go about it just because the the objective is really helpful like what are you what are we really trying to go for you know i mean there's so many things like you can sort of get what's the expression like you can get lost in like the forest for the trees like you're just looking at like one single goal but like it's just one point 
or one dot and like you don't have any clarity on like how those dots line up long term and i think the objective kind of helps that but any last minute things before we get into the the meat and potatoes yeah i mean i think i'd already said it it's more it's just a way to focus when you actually write down and think about what are our goals and having the objectives definitely helps because then you have okay this is what we're going towards and this is how we're going to take some steps towards that specific objective I think that really helped a lot. I even printed them out and had them in a frame on my uh, counter for That's a while. Right. I took them down only because we had company coming over and I was like, I don't really want to talk about that that much or have our goals out for everyone to see. Although it's really not a bad idea because it was a good reminder that I could kind of review on a daily basis to say, oh, okay, this is what we're going towards. Because I easily, I have what you call scope creep and I easily go outside of my, uh, the boundaries of what I'm supposed to be focusing on, which I did last quarter for sure but things to work on yeah so i mean one of the lessons learned is kind of an obvious thing we don't have okrs set up for q2 and we're halfway through q2 already i think we're kind of re again as we always do sort of evaluate reevaluate everything sort of our retrospective mentality sort of if if this mini krs or okrs was appropriate do we want to have fewer do we want to have like a longer time horizon like just back half of 2018 but stay tuned on that Okay, so for those that saw the podcast, this podcast title and you've been waiting for this content, we'll put a little show note that says like you can fast forward to this point if you don't care about our OKRs at all. But the rest of this episode, we want to talk about your quote unquote other portfolio that you should keep track of on your journey towards financial independence or early retirement. And that is loosely defined as your frequent flyer point portfolio. And so interestingly enough, I don't know, I don't think it was methodical or thought out, but basically right around the same time that we said we are going to retire early and that evolved into a specific time, you know, the timeline or that we're shooting for. But around that same time, Julie also really began to go full speed on frequent flyer points. So you did that in like February of last year. And why don't you talk a little bit about like what started that? And we, I mean, I think it would be helpful for folks like if they're not, if they don't know anything about points, which like, you know, I certainly didn't at the time. I'm still like a rookie now, learned a few things over the last, let's call it a year and a half. Um, what started that interest for you? And then just to start there, like last February, kind of how you started. And then we'll get into like how our thinking has evolved and we'll get into the nitty gritty of like exactly what we do you know, currently, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, for me, it really had started a few years prior to that, but it accelerated last February, I'll say. So I had done some research because we had just a casual conversation about we want to travel. How do we make travel possible? And you basically said, maybe you should become like a ninja in figuring out how to get um, points in order to enable our family to travel. And so I kind of started doing some research. We found a few great websites of people that already do this. And there's actually quite a lot of information out there if you want to do your own research. What are some of the sites that you found? Do you remember which one? Yeah, so the main one, I think you sent it to me, was just the Point Guy. I think that's the name of his blog. Um, so he's done a lot of research. And mainly, um, he has a lot of different credit cards and goes through all the different credit cards, plus hotels 
and all the different reward cards you can possibly imagine. I think he's done pretty much all the research on it, which is really cool. You can just search his site. Um, the one that we, that I started using, um, years ago, I got my first, one of my first credit cards was with Chase and it was the Chase Freedom card. And actually I wasn't, I did, I did enjoy the perks of that in a way. Um, although I wasn't getting the best bang for my buck in terms of the points. So you use the Chase Freedom card. I put all my purchases on there every month. I paid it off in full and I would get points and I could redeem those points for cash or to actually pay them back towards my bill. So I was like, hey, if I can make my money work for me, I'm going to do that. So let's like different people might be listening to this at different like knowledge levels. So you're talking about a credit card that you get whenever you make normal everyday purchases, you get rewarded in some way. Mm -hmm. And those ways you're getting rewarded are points. What kind of points? Well, they're chase freedom points and they can be used in a variety of ways. You for for the freedom card, you can't actually use that towards travel, but you can use it towards cash back, which is what I did. I would actually just go into Chase and I would say, "Hey, give me my $150" and they would send me a check and I would cash it. And I'd say, "Hey, I pretty much just got free money for just being smart with the way that I used my credit card." But you can also redeem them for um gift cards and there's other things that you can actually do with those points but that was how I used it initially. So then a few years ago we started kind of upping our game. I started doing more research and realized actually the Freedom card has these 5% cashback categories every quarter they change. You just have to activate it. So it's kind of interesting like you get an email, you activate it, your card and then you go in and see what your categories are and some broad ones are like it'll be gas stations or it'll be grocery stores. And so you use your credit card at a grocery store um, whatever dollar you spent, you get five points per dollar. So it adds up really quick. You know, you spend a hundred dollars, you get 500 points. So like we're, we just began Q2, like um, five weeks ago, mm -hmm. you're saying like every single quarter, there are certain things, certain categories or certain things that if you spend your money on those things, you actually get more points. Exactly. So beginning of Q2, you get an email from Chase mm -hmm. That says, here are the categories for Q2, which our examples are... Grocery stores. So if so, if you activate, so it's not just automatic activation, so you actually have to activate it. But then, you know, the first day of Q2, if you activate the grocery stores, you go in and swipe your card at a grocery store, you're getting five points per dollar. Per dollar. Mm -hmm. Up Whereas to $1,500. Up to $1,500. This is just for this credit card, which is called mm -hmm. what? The Chase Freedom Card. Chase Freedom Card. And so in Q1, if grocery stores were not activated, it would just be one point for $1. But now, because they have these, like, basically every quarter, certain categories have sort of like five to one bonuses, then like that makes it, you know, more appetizing or more appealing. Exactly. So I started doing that a couple years ago. I started paying attention to the categories. And then whenever that category was up, then I just would be mindful to use that card for those specific things. And sometimes they were in categories that I didn't use very often, like movie theaters. We don't go to movie theaters that often. Um, and there was, you know, there'd be specific department stores or there'll be kind of your like Costco and Sam's Club. And so it's just being mindful of which card you use where and where you're going to get the most bang for your points or bang for your buck, essentially. And that card is actually free. There is no um, annual fee on that at all. So that's a really cool thing that's basically a free card and they're giving you free money. So that's one that's part of kind of what we call the trifecta, which we started learning about this this last year. And so it's one of the first cards that we had 
And then we started getting more into the traveling and combining our points. But in order to do that, you have to have a card that enables you to actually use the points for travel. So we'll get to this because you'll you'll talk about all the cards that you've gotten over the last 18 months or something. But um, maybe I'll just put a bug in your ear. Like if you if the folks are listening and they're like, man, I went to the points guy website or like I listened to this whole podcast and like I'm so stoked about this, but it's completely overwhelming. Is this card the one you would recommend them to start with? Or we can talk about the other cards and then you can come back and answer that. But that'd be good. Just like, where do I start is probably a question that a lot of people have. Yeah, and I would recommend starting with this one just because it's the lowest hanging fruit. It's the one that doesn't have an annual fee on it. Um, it, So you can at least start getting your feet wet in terms of, you know, getting a card that will at least give you a good amount of points that you can start building. Now, depending on what your goals are with the points, our goals are for travel. And actually, you get a much higher return on your point per dollar if you use it for travel versus just redeeming it for cash or for gift cards, which if you go to the Point Guy site, he will definitely say that. If you're only getting a one-to-one point for your per dollar, you're actually not getting a very high value for your points. You mean one cent per one One point? One cent per one point. Yeah, exactly. And so um, that would be the first one I would recommend. And then the second one I would recommend, um, there are there are a few, well, I would say go with, so there's Chase Reserve, and then there's also Chase Sapphire. We can come back to it. Like you can, I mean, I didn't want to derail you, but I think folks are, folks are kind of interested in kind of, we'll, we'll, we'll throw a bunch of information at them, but then mm-hmm. maybe at the end we can come back and say like, look, if you take, a, if you only take away this one thing from yeah. this, then you'll come back to it. But so yeah, Chase Freedom, freedom and then but you wanted to go travel mm-hmm. and so does that take you to like basically february of last year yes um and so well before that i had the the chase sapphire card because i knew i needed that card which has a hundred dollar annual fee but you can transfer your points from chase freedom or you you get all those bonus category points so you can build points really quickly on that card but then you can transfer your points from that card to a chase um sapphire card and there's two chase sapphire cards i'll start with the first one because it does have a lower annual fee it just doesn't have as many perks but you can use it for travel so if you wanted kind of the easy version then you would do chase reward chase um, freedom and then the chase sapphire where you can transfer your points from chase freedom to chase sapphire and then from there you can redeem travel you can transfer them we use Southwest because we're a family of four and Southwest has really great um, family travel perks and you can transfer your points from your Chase Sapphire card to like a Southwest and your points, are, you redeem that at a much higher rate for for tickets. Um, so there's the Chase Sapphire, then there's a the Chase Sapphire Reserve, which has a much higher annual fee. And this is the one that we got last February. And one of our friends had got it and he was kind of helping me figure out... Um, he was really into the point game. And so we were kind of sharing notes and he really helped me learn about this card that had this really great bonus that was actually expiring. So the bonus was a hundred thousand points. If you sign up for the card and you spend 3000 or 4,000, it was something like three or $4,000 in the first three months. Um, you get a hundred thousand points, which is pretty huge. Um, redemption rate. So one thing I will say for folks that like, like maybe should have set this context at the beginning, like, central to our entire strategy for getting a lot of points and then essentially traveling for free because again we want to travel increase the quality of life for us that involves travel but we don't want to spend a ton of money so we need a lot of points to do that 
but the biggest way or like one of the best ways to do it is via credit card bonuses. And so, and I'll talk about some of my reservations about credit cards in a little bit, but essentially what Julie's getting at, like, and that's, this is going to be consistent with all of the cards we'll talk about is that you get a card and they, they promise you a certain number of points, like a bonus, if you spend a certain amount of money. So, I mean, it's hard to say like definitively because we could tell you like how much you have to spend to get what bonus as of the time of this recording, but those things change a lot. So essentially, but the principle is get a credit card, spend a certain amount of money within a certain amount of time. Usually it's $1,000 to $3,000 within the first 90 days. Then you get these like bonuses. And so if you don't do that spending, if you don't spend that amount of money in that amount of time, you don't get the bonus. So you don't really want to ever want to get one of these cards unless you're like fully committed to like hitting that spending bonus. Um, and we'll talk about some principles on spending and not overspending and not just spending in order to get the bonuses later. But um, just wanted to mention that. So anyways, like so you have the reserve card that you're talking about mega bonus. They since cancer like reduced this bonus. It was like once in a once in a lifetime thing. But it's like, yeah, three thousand dollars within 90 days. You get one hundred thousand chase reward points. But anyways. Yeah, now it is now it's switched to 50,000 points. So not as much, but it's still not a bad bonus. But the card itself has a $450 fee, which sounds ridiculous and is really a large amount for an annual fee on a credit card. But the reason that we got it is because they give you a $300 credit voucher for travel. So you spend $450 on this annual fee, but then whatever you spend using that card for travel, they will basically redeem it back to you up to $300. So you essentially you spend $150 on this card for annual bonus, but it is advantageous to use this card for anything related to travel, which would be taxis, you know, airplanes, trains, anything uh, travel related. If they see it on your card, they'll credit it back to you. And another perk that we recently took advantage of with this card is there's actually a lot of different perks. We're not going to go through all of them. I'm just going to mention two one is you get um, you get access to like a, a free lounge card for all airports that have lounges. There's this um, select lounge card cards that you get for free, and then there's also um, the TSA PreCheck that they, they will pay for you. And the TSA PreCheck is good for I think four years. It's an eighty five dollar fee, and basically if you use that card to get that TSA PreCheck, then uh, they'll they'll redeem it back to you or they'll redeem you back that $85, which I took advantage of this year, which is a pretty awesome part for that one. So one thing I wanted to mention, because like, and I'll just sprinkle in basically like Julie was on point on all of this from the very beginning. And I was like the curmudgeon, like dragging my feet the entire time. Um, but one thing I was like concerned is like, yeah, it sounds all great, but then you're going to amass like all these credit cards with these crazy annual fees and you're not going to keep track of it. And it's going to eventually just like you're going to be paying like hundreds of dollars in annual fees because like these credit card companies don't do this like for no reason. It's like, you know, OK, but just the scenario that Julie described, just so like for those that are interested in kind of the math behind it. If you just assume that you're getting one point for one cent, and Julie already mentioned like the, the travel redemption is actually higher than that. But if you just assume that and you go back to um, you get the bonus on that Chase Reserve card that the, the bonus today 
which is 50,000 points. For us, it was 100,000. So you can, whatever I'm about to say, you can just double the benefit for us at the time. You pay $450 if you spend 300 a year in travel, which like we, most people, I mean, a lot of people do, we do. So you're effectively getting $150 a year, as Julie said. So, if, but if you got a 50,000 point bonus at one cent per redemption, that's $500 worth of travel. And so, and so you have $500 of travel benefit and you have $150 a year annual fee. So if we just did the math on that, like the very first year of getting the bonus, you've paid for that annual fee for three and a third years. And so just, just calling that out that like, you know, if you, if you just had one cent per point, that's $500. Even if you have 150, you know, you have your $150 annual fee, it's like over three years of, of paying it off immediately if you received or gained no other benefit on the card whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So that's just one way to kind of like demystify the thing. Like some people just say you have, which was my, like, yeah, kind of, they're not really irrational because if you just don't keep track of these kind of things, they can get out of hand. Um, but it's just another example, like early retirement, this, frequent flyer point game like if you just pull back the curtain or peel back a few layers and actually look at the underlying math it it can actually really make sense for you if you're on top of it and like track it and are disciplined about it but anyways go for it okay so i just want to mention um the three cards that we kind of call the trifecta so initially i had the chase chase freedom and then i had the chase sapphire sapphire card And then basically what I did is I applied for the reserve and then, so the reserve and the sapphire are both travel related cards, but they both had annual fees and I didn't want to, basically if you have the reserve, you don't need the sapphire because the reserve gives you three points per dollar on regular spending on um, restaurants and travel. But the sapphire just gives you two points. So obviously it's a higher conversion rate if you have the reserve. It's a better bonus card for those categories. So you don't really need the regular Sapphire, which has a $100 annual fee. So what I did is I, I called Chase and I, I transferred my Chase Sapphire card that only gave me two points per dollar on these certain categories. And I moved it into a different Chase card, which is called the Freedom Unlimited. And it is also a free card. So we have Chase Freedom, Chase Freedom Unlimited. They're both free cards. Chase Freedom is your category card for every uh, quarter. And then the Freedom Unlimited on any purchase, whatever you use this card for, you get 1.5 points per dollar. And so that is a higher conversion rate than the one-to-one on normal cards. But that one is kind of what we use for every other category that's not in the quarterly category for Freedom. And it's not food or travel for the reserve. And so those two cards don't cost you anything, but you just have to figure out which cards you use for which. So if it doesn't fall into the 5% category or if it doesn't fall into travel or restaurants, then you use this other card that is giving you higher than a one-to-one conversion, which is what you want. You always want to try to get more than a one-to-one conversion for your for your dollar that you're spending. So that you're basically making your money work for you Um at the highest rate that you can to get the most points back. Cool. So we got the reserve early first half of last year. So probably up until the first half, we were all total uh, 100, 125,000 points total. 
something like that. I think I had at least 30 in mind, too. Yeah, and so kind of during this time, Julie's figuring all this out. I am trying to answer some of my other concerns. So one was the annual fees. We addressed that. The other one was I don't want all of these cards like negatively impacting my credit. And a lot of times, like that will be something that um, people say as an excuse for not doing this. And again, like people can do whatever they want, but a lot of it is like it's an unfounded excuse. In other words, you open up a new credit card, like people say, you open up a new credit card, like your all oh, your credit's going to get dinged or you're going to be hurt really bad. Well, like, but no one actually even like monitors that or actually verifies like what's the reality of the situation. And so without getting into like a whole detailed credit score analysis, what we did is we just signed up for Credit Karma, which is a free credit monitoring service. And you can look at, you see your credit score, all the different categories that we believe like affect your credit score, because ultimately the formula is not 100% transparent to everyone, but you have a pretty good idea about total credit utilization, total credit um, history, all those kind of things. And so I said, well, we're not going to be making a large purchase like a home or anything like that anytime soon. Again, this is like summer of last year. So let's just like try this. You know, for me, Julie had already been doing it, but I was like, let me just try it. And I'll monitor and see, like, does this actually impact my credit score in any material way? So what we did, what we did at that time is, as maybe many are familiar with, we were moving uh, from Texas to Colorado. And we knew that we were going to have some, like, higher expense items in that move. So, like, actually moving the moving truck and those kind of things. And we said, so those are what we would call organic spending. And I'll just, like, real quick mention that. This whole strategy of everything we're talking about, getting credit cards, hitting a credit card bonus, getting big bonuses based on those cre- on that spending and within the 90 days, um, you never want to actually spend more than you normally would in order to get those bonuses. At least that's our strategy. Um, so in other words, like if you're going to get this Trace Reserve card that Julie talked about and it's $3,000 within three months. If you don't normally spend $3,000 in three months or you don't have expenses that you could put on a credit card that equal $3,000 in three months, like don't do this. It's not worth it. And so make sure that it's quote unquote organic spending that's going into achieving all of these spending bonuses. Um, The other thing is you pay your credit card off in full every single month, no matter what. Like you never carry a balance on these credit cards. Like that's our rule. I think it's a sound financial rule because ultimately like we're, we're striving for something bigger than getting a bunch of frequent flyer points. But while we're spending the money that we normally spend anyway, you might as well get basically free travel. So that's just an aside, but that's really, I think personally, I think that's really important because the reason these credit card companies and airline partnerships do this is because people don't do what I just said. They carry balances every single month. And those interest rates are crazy and they get people on the hook and you get, you know, snowball credit card debt. But anyways, back to last summer. So I'm thinking, okay, now I want to try this. We have some organic larger expenses coming up for our move. And so I grabbed a couple of two, two different credit cards at that time. One was a business credit card, also with Chase, the Chase uh, Inc. business card, which had an $80,000, 80,000 point bonus after spending $4,000. So the spending requirement was a little bit higher, but we got uh, 80,000 points for that, as well as the Chase Sapphire card that Julie mentioned earlier. That The one that she had 
was her card and I was an authorized member, but I hadn't had my own. I wasn't a primary account holder or a, a person on that card. So I could do that and then get those points myself. And so it was just through organic spending through the move plus um, some furniture items we were going to purchase when we were here. And like we already had budgeted for those. We planned ahead of those. We had the cash in hand. It wasn't like we're just going to go into debt to make those purchases. We had the cash. And so just in the process of moving and making those organic uh, spending purchases, um, we had the 80,000 points for the business card and the 50,000 for Chase uh, Sapphire. So it gave us 100, immediately it gave us 130,000 points uh, of Chase reward points in my account. So we had that plus Julie had 130 or 150,000 Chase reward points uh, in that account. So all total, I think at the end of 2017, I calculated we, we accumulated just, just dipping our toe in this whole travel thing. Um, we had about 275 or 280,000 points between us. And so before we get into what we've done this year along that, um, we didn't write all this down. So maybe we'll just fumble through it and think about it. Um, like I want to talk about, um, all the, the free flights and t- like if we can, we'll ballpark it, but total free travel that we were able to get in 2017 as a result of doing this. And I just, I'll turn it over to Julie for that, but I just want to reemphasize, I'm a broken record, but nothing we did in 2017 to get the free travel we're about to talk about caused us to spend one additional dollar than what we were previously planning on spending. Now you could, if you really want to get technical with it, we can talk about the free travel we got and then deduct all the annual expenses of the credit card fees. Like that would be the most accurate kind of accounting of this. But again, we didn't spend any additional money. It was all 100% organic spending. The only quote unquote investment or the only thing really spent beyond some of the annual fees um, was the time and energy it took to learn about it. Like that was it. Um, Both Julie and I have excellent credit scores, um, uh, very close to like the absolute max you can get. And that's including all of the cards we've gotten over the last year. We continue to monitor it. So if it ever slips, we prioritize that. Um, but anyways, in 2017, um, let's talk through just the free flights, hotels, rental cars that we were able to get in, in 2017. Yes. I was just thinking about that. And Actually, I think to start out, last summer was probably the first time we started using some of these points. Uh, me and the kids took a trip up to Boise. We flew, and then we also um, we, we did a road trip with my family to the Oregon coast and then flew back from Oregon. So essentially a round-trip flight, but just from two different destinations. So that was three round-trip flights that were completely paid for uh, between Chase and, and Southwest points, transferring from Chase to Southwest Um, And then beyond that, we did, um, when we road tripped up to Colorado, we stayed in uh, two different hotels and two different resorts. And um, that was all paid for through the Chase site. We actually booked it directly through Chase. Um, Some of the resorts that we stayed at were um, completely paid for with points. And then around Christmas time, um, which is obviously a higher, it, it costs more to travel around Christmas time. Well, you had a road trip in September, right? That you stayed at a couple of hotels? Yep. Yes, I did. I stayed at um, one hotel and one resort. Um, and those were also paid for with Chase points. One I booked directly through Chase. One, um, if you ever want to look at where you get the best bang for your buck and which where to transfer your Chase points, um, Hyatt actually has the best uh, conversion rate for hotels. 
And so I stayed at a Hyatt and it was really cheap. I just transferred 5,000 points from my Chase site to the Hyatt site. I became a Hyatt member. That's easy and that's free. Um, And so we stayed at a Hyatt and stayed at a resort in Park City. And that was all paid for with points. That's right. I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. And then around the holidays, all four of us, we did four round trip tickets. Well, November, we flew my mom up here. Oh, that's right. And we paid for that entirely with points Mm -hmm. and picked her up from the airport. Um, And then December, all four of us uh, flew for round trip tickets. Plus, we rented a car and that was all paid for with points. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know how many that's. That was seven flights, no, eight flights, right? Four, yeah, eight flights. And then uh, one rental car for seven days, Mm -hmm. was it? And then we had um, like three resort hotels and then two regular hotels um, that we stayed at. All pretty much, all free. You just pay a few on taxes with flights. And other than that, it's completely free. Yeah. And I would say we'll we'll try to add that up here in a second. Um, but that wasn't like we did all that, and we we still have about nine ninety three thousand Chase reward points in my account. So it's not like the two hundred eighty thousand points we got last year. We didn't use them all. Um, we actually, you know, used just a little more than half of them, or I guess maybe two thirds of them. Um, and so um, with all of that together, and again, like I mean. If you're like really into the point game and you've been doing this like in a dedicated way for a long time, like there's probably a ton of like strategies and trip tips and tricks and things like we're not doing. So, I mean, we're just beginning. I mean, so you can obviously like find all these deals and redeem them for a lot more. But again, like we didn't spend one additional dollar that we weren't planning on spending before. And if you add like we could go in and do all the detailed accounting on that, but it's probably four or five thousand bucks. Um, like we know that that December trip for all of us was like, you know, $1,500 or something like that, or close to 2000, just because it was like the holiday season. Um, and it was like, you know, four tickets, family of four. So, um, any other thoughts on 2017 or like, I mean, we can talk a little bit about what we're doing now, uh, what we've done this year, but I just think, I'm just thinking back to if you were talking to me at, you know, January of last year and trying to like distill lessons learned and all the different things that you just talked about into like one or two tips, like any thoughts or takeaways? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I go back to the, the three cards through chase. Um, definitely do your research, check out the point guy site. If you want to read up on these cards and then, um, if it is something that's interesting to you, like we talked about earlier, which cards to start with. So the takeaway would be you know, I would recommend the Chase Freedom card because it's free and you probably don't want to apply for cards one after another. And then the Chase, uh, the Freedom Unlimited card and then um, the Reserve card, Chase Reserve card. So I don't know as far as like tips. I mean, I would recommend those three cards, but doing them in kind of an interval state so that you have time to meet each bonus and then kind of um, you know, give yourself some time to get the cards, build the bonuses and then decide how you want to use them in terms of travel, you know, what's your preferred uh, method of or airline you like to travel with and figure out if that works for you, kind of do do a little bit of research on that. Yeah. And I think I would just say, just reiterate on the financial side, um, don't get any card that you can't hit the spending bonus through organic spending. If you don't know if you can hit the bonus through organic spending, it might indicate that you don't have a budget or you don't know what your spending is, which maybe is like 
a good reminder and say, hey, let me hold off on getting these cards and actually spend a couple of months really detail my budget and actually know what I'm spending so you can answer those questions. Um, we have our budget relatively dialed in. It took a while to do that. So we know outside of, you know, rent and things like that, like what what our spending is. So we know organically, will we hit this spending uh, threshold or not? The other one, again, is like never keep a balance on a credit card. I mean, that's um, it's just something that it's almost like I'm almost extreme about it just with debt in general. Um, but with that in particular, like that is, that is why these, these programs exist is for folks that aren't incredibly disciplined about like their credit card spending and they have these crazy interest rates and they just get you on a cycle and you kind of get trapped. And so those are, if you can't do those two things, I would just kind of like press delete on this podcast. And then until you're in a position that you can actually do that, um, just focus on budgeting and controlling spending. Real quick for 2018, we had a KR earlier around getting this uh, mysterious thing called the Companion Pass, and that's through Southwest. And I will I will be like the crazy buzzkill real quick, um, but that is the case that I've learned with like these all these travel reward points, and you'll see on like these different websites. Um, we'll link a couple, um, but like the points guy. Um, 10x travel. Um, this brought this guy Bryce Conway is, is excellent. He has an excellent site. Um, they will often put this at the top of their blog posts and things like that. The reward points and the programs mentioned in this article may have changed, you know, and that's the case with a lot of these programs. And unfortunately, like you hear about them via a podcast like this or some other you know, channel. And you're like, oh, I'm going to go do that. And then you go actually to, to the site and you realize like the bonus has changed. Like, that's just, that's kind of the shifting landscape that is frequent flyer points. And I totally get that it can be frustrating, um, but it's just part, it's just part of the game. And so this, the Southwest Companion Pass, we'll describe what we like literally just did over the last couple of months. Um, but what we did is like no longer available. Um, and so like Southwest just and Chase just changed this within the last 30 days. Um, but we'll still talk about it because by many people that are like full time in frequent flyer point, you know, strategy still say that this is one of, if not the best travel reward programs in the entire kind of gamut of, of reward programs. And that is with Southwest, uh, you have something called a companion pass. You can get that, uh, you can qualify for that two different ways. One is accumulating 110,000 Southwest points and Julie can correct all the terminology because I don't know it all that well, but 110,000 Southwest points or 100 qualifying flights, which is kind of, if unless you travel for work, 100 qualifying flights is, I think, really, really challenging to get. So then you need 110,000 qualifying points. And I realize I haven't even explained what the Companion Pass is, but I'll come to that. So how we got to 110,000 qualifying points was no surprise here, two different credit cards. So we had one credit card that had a $1,000, it was a personal card, a Chase Southwest card, $1,000 spending, like threshold or requirement, and that gave us 40,000 points. So if you combine those together, that's 41,000 points. And then we had a business card, we have a business that if you spend $3,000, you get 60,000 points. 
So if you add 60 plus your $3,000 spending, that's 63000 If you add that to your 41000 personal card, that's 104000 uh, points. So you still have to spend 6000 You get 6000 more points to get the 110000 qualifying uh, points to qualify for the companion pass. Again, like you want to be real strategic about that, thinking about both of those cards, the spending required to hit the bonuses, and also the spending required to get up to the 110000 to actually qualify for the companion pass. And make sure you do that through, again, through organic spending. So one strategy is like if you have larger expense items that might be, you know, that are already planned for you, um, that might be a time to try to go for this. So if you qualify via 110,000 points for your 100 qualifying flights, what do you get? Well, whenever you qualify, so if you qualified in May of 2018, you qualify for the rest of 2018 and then all of 2019. So what, whatever calendar year you actually qualify for it, you get it for the rest of that year and the next year. Okay, but what do you actually get? Companion Pass, it's in the name. So I qualified for the Companion Pass. Uh, did that about one or two weeks ago. So for the rest of 2018 and 2019, I can designate a companion to fly with me. But what does that mean? Well, any flight that I fly on for the rest of 2018 and 2019, my companion flies free, no matter what. So Julie is my companion, and I can change the companion up to three times over the next, over the, the qualifying period. And so everywhere Southwest goes, wherever if I fly there, Julie flies with me for free. So if we fly to Austin, Texas, Julie flies free. If we fly to Portland, Oregon, Julie flies free. If we fly to Cabo, Julie flies free. If we fly to Aruba, the Grand Caymans, Costa Rica, Southwest is going to start doing trips, uh, flights to Hawaii in 2019. Doesn't matter. Free, free, free. Obviously, my ticket, what I have to pay for, you can do that through points or through cash. But no matter what, she flies for free. And of course, like one thing that's like free, but there's no such thing as free. But all of these, there's taxes and fees that are associated with some of these flights. So um, we just put Julia as my companion on a flight for later this year. And that was to Florida. And it was $11.22 was the total ticket price for her. Um, to larger or more popular destinations, the tickets are a little um, more expensive, especially international. Um, so tickets from, like, say, Fort Lauderdale down to Aruba, you know, were like fifty to seventy dollars in like fees and taxes. Um, but essentially, like beyond that, it's the companion goes with the the qualifying companion pass holder for free for the entire period that you're a companion pass member. Okay, that was a ton of information. I don't know if I totally convoluted it, but what would you say about it? Uh, I think it's awesome, and I'm excited. And we're going to Hawaii as soon as we can. Yeah. Yeah, so, so far this year, 2018, um, have we done any travel for points yet in 2018? We just did, like, four. I did. I, I took a trip to Phoenix with the kids, and actually that trip was probably one of the best trips that I've taken so far. And I don't know if we want to get into the details of that, but, um, yes, I did take a 
uh, trip there. And I think for all three flights round trip, it was 16,000 points. So we actually ended up flying really early in the morning, both there and back, but that they were really cheap flights. And so we took a really um, cheap trip for free uh, to Phoenix for about a week. So we got three flights already in 2018. We just booked uh, four flights for Florida later in the year. That's going to be like in a combination with a, a work trip of mine. So four flights there, which is really uh, my flight. This is kind of a benefit that I get that not everyone has because my if I travel for work, obviously my work pays for mine, my tickets, but Julie's my companion. So a, a four four flights to whatever destination, like it's really only two flights for us because I'm taken care of by work. Julie's taken care of by the companion pass, and then we can do points if we have them for the kids. Um, then we have another flight in the summer um, that I'm flying back uh, from a destination. We're going to do a road trip, and then I have a flight back, so that's taken care of with points so far as well. Um, I think that's all that's planned at the moment um, for free flights or free travel. Uh, we did for do uh, two nights uh, in Boulder, Colorado for free at a Hyatt uh, a couple weeks ago. forgot about that. Okay. Got that one. Yep. Cool. Um, I'm not sure how long we've been going in this podcast for the other portfolio. Um, again, for folks that they're, they're not interested in travel at all, then like, you know, disregard this one. But for folks that are not, you know, they're, they're kind of, um, you know, following a similar trajectory that we have that, you know, we've sort of eyes have been open to some degree about early retirement and reaching financial independence. Um, but at the same time, are also being very intentional back to that, that first rule of examining and re-examining everything. We don't just want to like hunker down and have a bunker mentality for like five years or whatever it takes to reach financial independence and then like wake up and realize, well, we just missed five years of our life or 10 years of our life. Like we actually want to, in parallel of reaching financial independence, increase our quality of life, which a lot of times, you know, is, is an inward exercise, if you will, of like, you know, removing certain material possession desires or whatever the case may be. Uh, but for us, like we wanted to be able to travel. And so far that's not like these grandiose international around the world trips or anything, but even just like, you know, one week flight during December to see some family, like that's a couple thousand bucks if you don't have the points. And so that's, that can really, you know, decrease, um, you know, our velocity, if you will, towards um, reaching financial independence. So now we are, we're able to do this. Um, what else would we say about frequent flyer points? I, if you're like me, um, it can be totally overwhelming. And a lot of times when people are confronted with overwhelming amounts of information or data, their default is to shut down. Um, I would really encourage like not doing this, uh, not shutting down. And um, just trying to figure out what is the first and least risky step you can take. And risk is defined by whatever you're comfortable with um, in order to do this. If you start to research, which like we recommended the points guy, recommended uh, 10xtravel.com. You get to some other, like you realize like these people are like, they have like PhDs and like frequent flyer miles. And they, you know, they'll pull out you know, 25 credit cards and they can basically go anywhere in the world and seven star hotels and fly in first class. And like, it sounds great. And you also like immediately say like, there's no way I can do what they do because it just sounds like a full-time job. Mm -hmm. Well, like that's, 
inspirational, um, but again, it can also be overwhelming. So um, don't let, you know, perfect, quote unquote, perfect be the enemy of good. In other words, don't let, you know, you see someone doing what they're doing and you say, I can't do that. So then therefore, I'm not going to do anything. Um, in like one year, one and a half years, we went from like, I was totally, like I said, a curmudgeon. I was like, all these like frequent flyer points. That's so silly. Like, we're just going to get duped into all these different things to like, we're getting thousands and thousands of dollars of free travel every single year. And over the next year and a half, like probably just with the companion pass alone, we'll get another five to $8,000 of travel just from like wherever I go, Julie can go for free. So start small, start wherever you're comfortable with. Um, did you have something on starting small? And- yeah, I just had a little tip actually that I, I was re- I was just thinking about. One of uh, my friends that was really into it, we were talking about it. So he got really into it and did all the research, but he has a wife who also, you know, spends a lot of the money and she's got, you know, the same credit card. So something that he did that was helpful, I think, for her is he would actually put little labels on all the cards on which cards you spend on which to get the most points per card. So for whatever category the freedom card was in, he would put on her card like gas and grocery stores and, you know, movie theaters. And so he would have that on her card. And then the other one he would have, you know, this is for travel and food and, you know, this is for everything else. So that might be kind of a helpful tip. But I think like Gary said, you just start where you can. I mean, that's what we did. And really, I didn't even really think about how much we've actually used it, but we just used it for what we were doing anyway. I mean, we really didn't go outside of like, well, let's just plan a trip because we have the points. It's like, I just, I wanted to go see family or we were planning a trip here. Let's see if we can find points. And you can't always use points. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Um, But for the most part, if you're willing to do a little more work, um, it can definitely pay off in the long run. And you just start where you, where you can, and then you kind of can build from there. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap here. Um, couple of different uh, foreshadowing nuggets in this episode for future episodes. One is going to be our, you know, 10 or 5 or whatever ends up being rules uh, for reaching financial independence early. Those are the basically the top lessons we've learned over the last 18 months. Again, that's just for us personally. Uh, and the other one is a, sort of a follow-on to this episode is how in the world do you travel with kids without losing your mind? And that's kind of what Julie referred to earlier with a recent trip to Phoenix, you know, after, I don't know, 30 flights or 30 trips over the last several years with kids before we really got on points. And then after, um, it's been very challenging to do that. Um, but I think in Julie's trip to Phoenix really, really found a couple of key, uh, key things that folks can do, definitely parents can do, uh, to make that, um, process a lot smoother. So I think we felt let's devote a whole, episode on all the lessons we've learned on that one so stay tuned for that follow-on episode any last words jay no that's it all right folks see you next time